again, fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 168 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder, and I am currently at Heathrow Terminal 5, surveying the arrivals um, uh, board, which has quite a lot of the word cancelled appearing on it. And that's kind of quite appropriate, because as summer makes a brief reappearance, today we're looking back at the many ways in which travel has gone tango uniform over the past couple of months we'll look at trains boats and planes and decide if things are getting worse and whether we in the uk are particularly useless or unlucky or perhaps just average and uh, do we ever learn any lessons from the disaster of the uh, the year before i wonder anyway we won't be forgetting wildfires and other climatic calamities that this year continues to bring but first a couple of contributions from listeners marcus christopherson posted not one but a double tweet we're going on a long holiday this winter and it kind of touches two things you've talked about recently the perfect island and ai we're going to spend the winter on the caribbean islands of guadeloupe and martinique i've been there before but not with the family so now we're trying Guide Geek to help us out on a more family-friendly stay. As a European travelling with small children, it's rather amazing to be able to stay in Europe in the Caribbean. Um, or also on the island of Réunion, which I also highly recommend. Of course, um, the reason he says stay in Europe is because, um, like many uh... Uh, Departement and uh, I think Territoire Outre-mer, um, these places are technically as French as Calais. Well, good luck to you, Marcus, and your family, and I hope Guide Geek helps you um, pass a very nice winter. Do let us know how you get on. We've also got an audio message, one of those things we crave, from Rebecca in New York. Hi, Simon and Mick. I'm Rebecca. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I'd like to propose a podcast topic that I believe would resonate with your listeners, coffee lovers, or those just curious about one of the most traded items in the world may be surprised how easy it is to visit working coffee farms, as I have done from South America to Southeast Asia and a few places in between. The vistas are beautiful and the coffee growing, harvesting, and processing can only be experienced in the coffee belt. The only discussion I've heard of coffee on your podcast was a brief mention of Egyptian coffee on the Strange Brews episode, but there's so much more to experience and learn. Well, I think coffee is quite a good subject. Uh, I had a great time once visiting a coffee farm, estate, plantation, uh, not sure what you call it, in the highlands of Panama. Although I suppose we have to say it is a bit of a long haul experience. Uh, Simon, have you had any great coffee experiences? I think I might have been to exactly the same coffee plantation as you in the uh, highlands of Panama. And uh, fascinating and beautiful it is too. But I must say that probably uh, tea plantations are in even lovelier, particularly around the Darjeeling area of northeastern India. And there's even one in the Azores, which claims to be the only one in Europe, although I think there might actually be one in Cornwall, do let us know, um, which is also a tea plantation, also obviously in Europe. Of course, you can get in touch with us. You can leave an audio message for us, as Rebecca did. Um, just go to uh, anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and follow the instructions. 
or you can contact us on well what we used to call twitter now we must call x um and you can find us at you should have bt and by the way our um epic and iconic podcast uh, which rebecca referred to on uh, weird brews strange brews of the world i think it was was podcast 42 which hit the airwaves uh, in october 2020 so do have a listen to that and every other podcast we have ever recorded One other item of news this week attracted um, some derision from the travel industry. And this was the uh, news that um, Grant Shapps, who just a year ago was Transport Secretary, was responsible for all manner of extraordinary decisions during the COVID pandemic, which subsequently shown to have done absolutely no good. Um, Paul Goldstein, who was a vocal critic of Mr. Shapps, um, says what particularly irked so many were his absurd red and amber lists. The banned and partially banned countries cobbled together with seemingly no knowledge of geography. As he is now the custodian of the nuclear button, this faculty might be rather more important. Well, we are all on um, tenterhooks, I suppose. Uh, I like the description of a rather low-key one of Grant Shapps as well-travelled. Somehow it seems to... (laughs) (laughs) encapsulate quite a number of thoughts and feelings. But uh, this, of course, is an almost perfect segue into the next um, part of our podcast, which is um, an exploration of travel chaos theory, which, if I understand it right, is the hypothesis that any time us island dwellers want to travel here at home or abroad for any reasons other than work particularly during the most popular holiday periods, then all kinds of things will happen to prevent this happening or turn it into a misery. Yes, most spectacularly for this summer, at least at lunchtime on Bank Holiday Monday at the Nats Air Traffic Control Centre at Swanwick in Hampshire. Um, you know, the problem was significantly different from anything we've seen before. Um, and obviously that always raises questions as to what the cause was. Obviously at the time we had no idea. Um, we have a better idea now, but at the time we didn't. Um, and so we started to sort of invoke uh, contingency procedures around um, uh, talking to airlines, talking to DFT, talking to uh, CAA to make it clear that there was a potential for a significant problem. That's Martin Rolf, Chief Executive of Nats, explaining what happened to trigger the cancellation of more than 2,000 flights over several days. And I dare say the cancellations I'm looking at here from places like Belfast City and from Geneva are also attributed to the um, planes and pilots being out of position. Well, we're going to uh, uh, go into that momentous meltdown a bit later, but I believe we're um, generally pointing the finger at the French. Um, Obviously, it wasn't (laughs) our fault. Um, But uh, we've also just had the first national rail strikes of the autumn and uh, huge queues at Calais as families tried to return home from continental Europe. And Simon, since it's your job to understand the transport industry and its many moving and sometimes seizing up parts, let me quiz you on the most significant disruption of the summer. And we'll start with the rail strikes. Um, What's going on here in this obviously incomprehensible rail announcement? The 
That was the announcement being made on Friday the 1st of September when Euston Station was effectively closed except to people who were happy with going no further than Watford Junction about the strikes which were then taking place on Saturday the 2nd of September. And that rather reveals that the 1st of September was the Aslef train driver strike day. The 2nd of September, well, it was the turn of the RMT union. And, well, both disputes uh, are currently causing immense chaos and confusion for millions of travellers every time they go on strike. That's not the first incomprehensible announcement about rail strikes. Um, since, well, I think they've been going on for at least a, a year in this particular round. Um, why isn't the government actually representing um, us, the travellers, and, um, and, and negotiating? Well, basically because they believe they can grind the uh, rail unions down and they are prepared just to say, look, we've given you a perfectly good, decent... Um, offer that is contingent on you making changes we're paying and this is my calculation four thousand pounds a minute to keep trains running um we can't carry on doing that so you've got to be more efficient and the unions are saying you're joking um we just want a decent no strings pay rise and we're going to carry on striking until we get that if you want then to talk about uh Uh, reforms we can do that but every single reform you're going to be paying us a percentage to change our working practices just like you always do so it is a pretty good definition of uh, deadlock I think well plus a change and uh, while we're going uh, European (laughs) how do we uh, score on the European Super League of, of rail strikes France are the perennial reigning champions. Um, Les Cheminots, the railway workers, um, are, well, if I turn up, for instance, in Paris and there isn't a strike of some sort going on, I'm genuinely surprised. Um, they have uh, been on strike. They even went on strike last Christmas Day uh, when obviously there are trains in Europe, but there aren't in Britain. Um, but there weren't any in France or very few of them that day. Um, others, the Germans are particularly prone to this and because because of different trade union legislation, they just tell you the afternoon before. And so they might tell you at four o'clock in the afternoon, oh, by the way, no trains tomorrow. And you've got to run around trying to get where you need to be before um, uh, midnight. Uh, A word for the Italians as well. Tends to be more kind of local disputes. So um, you you might uh, get perfectly okay to Siena, but then discover that you can't get from there to to, uh, Florence. It's a a very mixed picture. But um, in terms of sheer duration of Uh, disputes which have been dragging on um, for over a year I think um, yeah we take we take the European super prize but let's move from trains to boats and I know you spent rather a lot of time in uh, in the fair port of Dover (laughs) this summer I have done and I uh, have been there on and off for well over a year and that was because um, COVID managed to conceal quite a lot of the um, consequences for travellers of Brexit. One of which is we said um, we want to leave the European Union and we want to be treated as third country nationals and that means we want a hard EU frontier at Dover. Um, squeezed between the cliffs and the channel where all our passports are going to be checked and stamped. Unfortunately, the so-called juxtaposed border controls, um, where you've got French police of Frontier 
um, actually working in Kent, they were never designed for a situation where most officials would simply wave past cars if you've held up something which vaguely looked like a British passport. And so, therefore, there are many, many crunch points. I think the longest wait this year was two and a half hours, um, which is an improvement. But unfortunately, it also affects people coming back and that's what we've been seeing in the past few days. Um, uh, we had uh, it wasn't helped, I'm afraid, by an IT failure for P&O ferries at the start of the um, Great September return, uh, as voiced by our electronic friend Dervler, who um, has an interesting pronunciation of uh, a leading French port. We are sorry to say our Calais to Dover route is currently subject to major delays. Due to IT systems down, vehicles are queuing past the check-in booths and on the approach roads in Calais. We apologize for the frustration and any inconvenience caused by these delays. Well, maybe Dervler's mispronunciation of Calais, which sounded more like callous to me, was actually um, a very appropriate. Uh, but let's get on to uh, airline passengers who seem to have um, actually had the worst of the, of, of the travel deal. Uh, that's certainly fair enough. Yes, after months of air traffic control staff shortage across Europe, we managed to trump the lot on Bank Holiday Monday, 28th of August, with this systems shutdown at Swanwick. Here's how The Independent reported it, and Dervler reads it. A French airline apparently filed a dodgy flight plan that made no digital sense. The NAT's IT network identified an anomaly had been ingested and set in train a shutdown of the entire automated system. As a result of the system failure, almost 1,600 flights were cancelled on Monday, grounding around 250,000 travellers. On Tuesday, around 300 departures were cancelled as airlines struggled with aircraft and crew being out of position. Michael O'Leary, the chief executive of Europe's biggest budget airline, Ryanair, was unimpressed. We understand how inconvenient and how difficult it is for you if you're caught in one of these flight cancellations or flight delays. It is sadly outside of our control. We have been in contact with UK Nats. We still haven't had an explanation from what exactly caused this failure yesterday and where were their backup systems. You know, it's not acceptable that UK Nats simply allow their computer systems to be taken down and everybody's flights get cancelled and delayed. Well, I must say that um, as one who uh, followed this um, uh, fortunately, from um, the comfort of my own home, um, uh, the whole business and even the explanations of it were entirely incomprehensible, um, full of um, jargon and uh, initials, CAA, FT, ATC, flight plan data. I mean, what, 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 what is it that actually... Um, broke the system well i think it was best summed up by a broadcaster william crawley um speaking on bbc radio ulster who said this is a bit like sticking your card into an atm machine putting in the wrong passcode and instead of the machine spitting out your card it shuts down all the banks in the country we've never seen anything like it um it's uh, utter shambles clearly um, some heads will roll at some stage, but the way these things um, 
happen. It probably won't be um, for a while. Well, I'm not surprised that the airline bosses, and I heard uh, plenty of them spitting blood about all of this, um, but I think it's fair to say they haven't exactly covered themselves with glory in the aftermath, have they? No, and that's why I'm still looking up at a board which has a lot of cancellations. Um, but it even brings some uh, fairly world, first world problems to the traveller. Um, so British Airways suspended its empty middle seat policy. Now, this is if you buy a business class ticket uh, on a european flight on british airways they use the same old airbus a320s that everybody uses including um easyjet but in order to make you feel special they fold down the middle seat and put a little table there so you don't have to share with anybody um however at times of uh, disruption when they're trying to get lots of people back in a hurry they suspend that and so uh, you get the um some very uh, cheesed off business travellers who suddenly find that not only do they not have um, automatically an empty seat next to them, they might be squeezed into the middle seat. It also triggers some uh, uproarious scenes because, of course, the planes are now carrying more passengers than anyone expected, which means that not all the bags will fit in the overhead lockers. Uh, very happy to say though that the team here in Copenhagen have just taken those bags and hopefully uh, they'll be getting them stowed away in uh, our rear holds uh, very shortly. Um, you will recognise that obviously we are slightly uh, behind schedule now with this uh, delay. Uh, we're doing all our best to uh, make sure that we can get uh, going uh, just as quickly as possible for you uh, and get you back to London just as quickly as we can. Well, I mean, I'd like to raise my hand here and say, um, in terms of the future of uh, air travel, isn't this rather a good thing? Um, crowded planes, i.e. full planes, and um, and pissed off business travellers, <laughs> who we actually know are um, responsible for uh, too many planes flying around with not enough people on and um, creating all sorts of havoc in the atmosphere. I think that's a very good observation, although the business traveller would respond, do you know how the aviation industry keeps going? It's because we are prepared to spend hundreds of pounds on last minute flights so that, yeah, that, that, that Webb and Calder can sit down the back um, enjoying their free 25 milliliter bottle of water and packet of salt and vinegar crisps um, for 30 quid. So um, just be grateful. And I think I probably will. However, it's an interesting, it shines a light on their policy and makes you wonder, surely there has to be um, a better way than this. And why on an ordinary day will you not just try and sell as many seats are as, as available so that people can travel and you don't need to pile on an empty plane to bring the remainder but goodness we are now getting into the um, realms of airline economics and and obviously there's been a fair amount of cost cutting some would say there's even been some mismanagement going on but uh, up until uh, this uh, bank holiday weekend event the airlines were doing very very nicely out of the uh, out of the fares they've been charging this summer well yes it did seem to me particularly um unfair and unreasonable to um, allow the uh, algorithm or whatever it is that decides how much a, uh, a seat costs on a plane to um, 
dis- to to charge people who were in the most um, appalling circumstances with their uh, um, exhausted families uh, trying desperately to get back and not get sacked from their jobs, charging them the absolutely most astronomical um, fares I've ever seen. Yes, and the, 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 to be fair, if you've got a platinum weapons-grade credit card, and you could buy the, those tickets, then you will get all the money back from the airline that cancelled your flight. And these things will sort of balance out. But we are now a world of two different kinds of travellers. Those who can, when things go tango uniform, just get the credit card out and say, OK, we'll do this and uh, we'll get back and it's going to be a complete pain. Um, and we'll be struggling for weeks or months to get our money back. And those who are saying, sorry, we've spent all our money. We haven't got any other possibility to uh, get back and help it's it's a, a a shocking state of affairs and one of the many many things that um uh, grant shabs left behind when he stopped being transport secretary in which the new one mark harper has to um uh, try to uh, sort out well, in this podcast, we did say we'd uh, try and um, uh, recap uh, the uh, many disasters that have befallen us over the uh, uh, as travellers over the, the the last three months, but also um, to try and uh, understand it. And is there anything that ties all these things together? Could we say it's cost cutting? Poor management, a sort of general firefighting um, approach, uh, attempts to make money out of absolutely <laughs> everything, um, however disastrous it is, uh, and generally a kind of what you might call a not particularly a humanitarian approach to uh, the business of travel. I think you've summed it up rather well, Mick. Um, all those ingredients certainly go into the mix, but I think at the heart is a lack of resilience. Um, there's simply too many of us trying to travel to too many places all at once with limited infrastructure. Here I am at the world's busiest uh, two-runway airport. I'm looking on uh, flight radar 24 to see all these planes circling over various parts of the uh, home counties because they can't all land when they would like to. That, of course, is causing more problems for the planet. Um, Down at Gatwick, busiest runway in the world. And that's why we've had particular problems at those two airports. But right across Europe, there is simply not the uh, resources in place, not the airspace, not the political will to sort out air traffic control. And so we just muddle on um, with occasional very serious problems, as we've seen. But uh, it's that I can see nothing where I can say, oh, well, it will all be all right very shortly because of X, Y and Z. Uh, though those are those are still not to be found. They are indeed, presumably, uh, they have been kicked down the road or are in the long grass or maybe even kicked down the road and then into the long grass to make them doubly difficult to find. <laughs> well, I've got two solutions to all of this. One is to kick out all the managers, particularly the extremely well-paid <laughs> ones whose bonuses we're always having rubbed in our faces uh, and replace them with Basques. Um, it seems to me from my... Um, uh, <laughs> My detailed uh, um, knowledge of uh, Premiership football that uh, there is an absolutely extraordinary number of um, Basque football managers who (laughs) do a very, very good job. And you could add some Catalans to that as well. Um, And having spent a bit of time in the Basque country recently, I would say that 
therein lies a model for um, managing just about everything extremely well, including food and um, splendid drink. But anyway, uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is, maybe uh, we will have to have a quota system of travel, which is not just that everybody as soon as the school holidays um, uh, begin uh, goes abroad, but actually only a limited number of us are allowed to go at any particular time. So if your surname begins with A, you go in, um, in, in January. And if it's B, anyway, I know there's more letters than there are months of the year but you see what i'm getting at i think this is the sort of radical thing that uh, we need to hear more of and uh uh, yes uh, of course anybody i hope who doesn't have to travel in august avoids it as much as possible partly for their own sanity and partly because it um, relieves the stress on on absolutely the worst month of the year um yet the one that people want and yearn for more than any other because it's when they are able to make their escape but there is one new factor something relatively recent um that has appeared on the horizon and on the hillsides of uh, southern europe in in particular which might well um have quite a serious influence on our um travel planning um and it was reported uh by dervla And this is from late July. This week, the term Mediterranean island escape acquired a new meaning. Wildfires swept across part of the Isle of Rhodes, triggering the evacuation of thousands of tourists. Package holidays to the Greek island are resuming this weekend, but with fire risks also high in other parts of Greece and elsewhere around the Mediterranean, prospective holidaymakers are increasingly concerned about their rights. Wildfires, of course, which have calmed down somewhat because we're moving into September. But uh, Mick, I just wonder, is this something that's on your radar for the future? And does it make you think about where you might travel and when? Well, on my radar for the immediate future in mid-September is a a short uh, visit to Lianza, which is an unfashionable um, resort village on the northern part of the Costa Brava, quite near France. Mm. Uh, it's much better known neighbour, about a half hour drive south across the wild and beautiful uh, Cap de Creus is Cadaques. Um, but anyway, we are um, going to Lianza and uh, I am actually somewhat concerned that uh, we are in prime um Uh, forest or wildfire territory. Do you think it will make you consider where you go and what you, how you get there? I mean, I presume you're going to be flying in as it makes every sense because it's, um, it's cheap and it's fast. Well, I would have gone by train until I discovered that it would cost approximately four times to five times more per person and be extremely inconvenient, even though Lianza actually does have a have a station on the, the main line from Barcelona and then uh, onwards and upwards to Paris and to London. Um, uh, yes, I suppose uh, I'll wait and see what it looks like. I mean, apart from the fact that it is awful if you're caught in it and it's awful for the people who have uh, had to uh, live through these things do you actually want to go on um 
walks through charred countryside um, with the smell of uh, of burnt wood still in the air? And I think the answer is not. So, yes, it, it's possibly the kind of thing that will make us uh, uh, reconsider because generally we just seem to kind of carry on, don't we? Well, people can simply take their own decisions based on their experience and it will be I think, telling to see if people do decide. Actually, um, late July, we don't want to uh, take the risk that uh, we're going to be caught up in wildfires. Um, I think they may conclude, well, we are simply not going to take the personal risk that we're going to be caught up in wildfires in peak summer in and around the Mediterranean. We don't want to have the kind of holiday that some people experienced in parts of Spain initially this year, where you are told to stay indoors from noon until 6 p.m. And we don't want to be responsible for um, possibly adding to the world's environmental problems. Having said all of that, if it's November or January and you're at home and it's dark, and it's raining, you are going to want to have something to look forward to. And for many people, that is a holiday. Well, do get in touch with us and let us know whether the events of this this summer, in particular, uh, 2023, have have made you reconsider your your long-term thoughts about uh, travelling and holidaying. You can get in touch with us, of course, um, through... X, formerly known as Twitter, just look for at you should have BT and you can leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. And next week we are going to be talking about a subject which I find very exciting um, and it would be great to get your thoughts on that as well. The travel guide to the future. What should it contain? Meanwhile, for now, from me, Simon Calder at London Heathrow. And me, Mick Webb, in uh, in Streatham, South London. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>